0: Professional installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows. Pause and rewind live TV. Even skip the commercials. Watch local channels, too. At just $24.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call
1: 877-499-MY-TV. That's 877-499-MY-TV.
0: Cancel the cable, cut costs,
2: and get more.
1: Call now at 877-499-MY-TV.
3: Welcome, you're listening to Sports Econ 101, the show where we discuss sports topics from a business perspective. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Bruce McGowan, longtime sports radio personality. Today's show is going to be special. Who's going to be our guest in the next segment?
4: Yeah, we're actually going to talk about the business of running a baseball team with the executive vice president of business operations, uh, longtime front office guy with the San Francisco Giants, Mario Alioto. So I think you'll find this very interesting. He's been involved uh, with the organization going back 40 years. How about that? So wow. t- he started off as a bat boy, believe it or not, and, and worked his way up the food chain.
3: And uh, as I remember, <laughs> forty years ago, they weren't very good.
4: They were not very good, and they almost moved in in nineteen seventy-six. We get into that with Mario. He's a San Francisco native, and it's, it's it's an interesting story. Giants fans and just baseball fans in general enjoy. Uh, what he has to say because he's involved in a lot of different aspects of of marketing and promotion but it's also about you know the team and and the game
3: okay that's always kind of fun when you uh, can come from your hometown to work for for the same club sweet all right in each uh, commercial break we're going to ask a sports trivia question again today's theme is going to be miscellaneous sports um, this segment of Sports Econ 101 is sponsored by Pacific Private Money, providing mortgage investments that are still currently yielding over 7.5% secured by real estate, mostly in the San Francisco Bay Area. And it doesn't get any more conservative than that. Uh, you got to check them out at PacificPrivateMoney.com. When we come back, we're going to have Mario Aliotto. Uh, San Francisco Giants, longtime executive vice president of business business operations. We'll have to ask him exactly what does that entail and how does he work with uh, general manager and... Uh, The owner, et cetera, et cetera. Definitely. Uh, Let's see. You can uh, listen to Sports uh, Econ 101 on Sports Byline USA, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and many other terrestrial uh, stations.
4: And don't forget our buddies in the armed forces. In the armed forces, which is
3: why we have hard breaks, because uh, they need to cut off exactly at a certain time. Yeah, that's right. Those
4: those, those guys in the Air Force and Army and Navy, it's like, you know. It's like clockwork. Clockwork. Routine. Routine.
3: All right. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. We'll
5: be right back. This is Mark Honf, co-host of Mortgage Investing 101. Did you know that you can earn year in and year out returns of 8% and more on your savings and retirement accounts? Mortgage-backed investment strategies such as trustee investing and mortgage pool funds can do just that. Since 2008, Clients of Pacific Private Money have consistently earned high yields on their investments. Find out for yourself how you, too, can profit from these real estate-secured investments. Call 415-883-2150 or visit our website at PacificPrivateMoney.com.
6: Nestled off the coast of Northern California and deep in the Redwood Forest, Sonoma Canopy Tours is a high adventure and completely unlike anything you've ever experienced the guided eco tour includes multiple zip lines sky bridges a majestic spiral staircase and a rappel to the forest floor you'll be immersed in the unparalleled beauty of the world-famous california coastal redwoods
2: call 888-494-7868 or go to SonomaCanopyTours.com. invest in some fun this season with this deal from paintball tickets With the largest network of paintball fields in North America, Paintball Tickets is committed to bringing you high-intensity fun for a fraction of the cost. With the purchase of your paintball tickets, you'll receive free admission and equipment rentals to some of the most played-at paintball parks nationwide. And by partnering up with like-minded, safety-conscious paintball fields in thriving markets across the nation, we've ensured there's always a field close to home. These tickets, which can be purchased in bulk, are designed to fit the needs of every skill level, from casual observers to weekend warriors. This adrenaline-inducing sport is perfect for birthday parties, corporate team building, or a casual outing with friends. Make the right choice for your wallet. Get in on the fastest-growing action sport with this deal from Paintball Tickets by going to sportsecon101.com and clicking on the Play Paintball button.
3: Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Bruce, who's on the phone?
1: A yeah, good friend of mine
4: uh, and a guy who's been working with the Giants for many, many years, Mario Agliotto, Executive Vice President of Business Operations. It's interesting uh, story, and I want him to tell it uh, firsthand because we'll, we'll get into the, the business aspects, Edward, of, of running a baseball team and the promotions and the, and the whole ballpark experience. Yeah. But, Mario, you grew up in the Bay Area, and you actually started your experience with the Giants as a... As a bat boy, isn't that right, back in the 70s? Wait, tell us a little bit about how that happened.
7: I did. I guess I was a pretty lucky kid. But first of all, thanks for having me. It's uh, nice. It's always nice to talk about the Giants. And,
3: uh, Our pleasure.
7: That we get to work in. But I, I grew up, uh, for those of you who know who remember Candlestick Park, which unfortunately is no longer there, I guess the Summit is just fortunate that it's no longer there, <laughs> but I grew up about two or three miles from the ballpark, and uh, I was lucky enough to start as a bat boy back in August of 1973. Um but even though I was a bad boy, I actually was a bad boy for the visiting side. So during those days, uh, whether it was Atlanta Braves with Hank Aaron or, yeah. you know, P. Rose, Willie Stargell, all those teams that came through, I wore the uniforms of all the visiting teams. Huh. So although I worked for the Giants and we, you know, the clubhouses back then were very close together, but 73 through 79, I was in the visiting clubhouse. So I saw a lot of, uh, I saw a lot, I just, it, was a, it was a great experience for a kid who got uh, 12 years old, uh, when I first started and, uh. And uh, I can't believe after all these years, I'm still there. But.
3: You know, I, I actually think it would be more fun to be for the visiting team because you can always kind of, you know, get to know the the players, you know, the Giants players. But for the visitors, I mean, that's that's kind of special because they're only coming around once in a while.
7: Oh, I loved it. I And, and I have a different spot for every team and, you know what you feel about them, who the players were, yeah. and plus you get to wear all those great uniforms. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I only—I mean, I only got booed once when I wore the Dodger uniform. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, that's when you trip them
3: when they come back out out uh, from <laughs> so, making an out.
7: I—I will give you one quick story back from those uh, early days, and this was, I believe, and Bruce, you have to help me on this because I think it was '73 it was Willie Mays's last year as uh, as a New York Met. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh-huh. But I started in August, and a couple weeks um, uh, after I started was the Mets' last visit to the, you know, because back then you played the Eastern team twice a year, and uh, it was a Sunday. Willie Mays' last, uh, last game in San Francisco as a New York Mets, or, you know, he was going to retire at the end of the year. But back then, uh, as you remember, players, the visiting team, had to come out through the right field corner to get to the visiting dugout. Well, he Willie never came out for batting practice that day. And uh, right before the game started, he finally walked out. And uh, fans, and we had a good crowd that afternoon, Fans went crazy. There's Willie Mays. I still remember he came into the visiting dugout, and uh, you know, and he asked me to play catch, and uh, oh, wow. I still remember that because I was, you know, as a, as a kid of twelve or thirteen years old. Boy, well, you're playing catch with Willie Mays, and he and I still talk about, the t- about that to this day. And I, yeah, and I still remember he said, well, don't worry, more worry, I'm not gonna throw very hard. Believe <laughs> me." As a twelve years old, as a twelve year old, he was throwing hard. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, Willie is still involved with the with the ball club, isn't he? I mean, Willie is eighty. 80- He's just about to turn as we speak. he's just about to turn eighty six yeah. years old May sixth right. is his birthday, but he's still uh he still comes around once in a while, right?
7: yeah, he has a lifetime contract and he's there every single day and uh comes into the clubhouse and you know hangs around with the team and he's he's such a big part of the organization and uh it's such a big part of who we are because we always you know celebrate our history and uh, I think more so than any other sport when you think about baseball, yeah. the history is what makes this, this sport uh, so much different than the others.
3: Well, especially since yeah. there haven't been that many changes, you know. I mean, you know, there's still 90 feet between the bases, and, uh, you know, they've been using a hard ball like that for over 100 years. You know, it, it's. I mean, there's been some subtle changes, but not like other sports. The game hasn't well, changed he, game, Yeah.
7: yeah. Well, what, what, what's interesting is you think about Mays, and, and again, I, I'm lucky enough because he's around, and when when, he, when Willie starts talking about uh, about the game and, and when he hangs around the clubhouse, He's always very simple about it. You know, all you gotta do is throw the ball and try to hit it. I mean, it's a pretty simple sport. <laughs> yeah. uh, and when you hear when you hear from the greatest uh, just to, you know, those of us who remember seeing him play yep. um, how he's always so happy, he's such a he, he makes the game fun. He made it fun when he played and and those of us who were lucky enough to see him so cherish that he's around. He's around. And he's part of the organization. Yeah, you know,
3: I'm amazed at how intelligent Mm-hmm. He is you know how intelligent a baseball player he he was after hearing stories uh you know noticing a, a guy limping just a little bit, you know the catcher doing a certain thing and then he 'd have an opportunity to slide and he 'd slide a certain way i mean he just he was such a a a, a person who studied the game so well, you know what i 'm talking right. about
7: yeah well, well, it came to him naturally that, that's for sure,
4: yeah. and one of the things about Willie too is that he he he's a great storyteller it's amazing his recall like he talked about the Roseboro incident where Marichal clubbed Roseboro in the head in 65 and you know Willie got in the way and pulled Roseboro aside before Roseboro could go after Marichal after getting hit in the head and right. and acted as a peacemaker and Willie you know tells the story of things like that with such detail it's it's like you know, he's almost back in 1965 again. Wow, it's great. That's, well, that's, that's for sure. That is something else. We've got to talk to you about your current uh, job because you've been doing this for a long time. You worked in the front office now. You worked with Pat Gallagher, who was, of course, a promotions uh, guy for many, many years with the Giants. You've worked with Larry Baer since Larry and Peter McGowan bought the team in 1993. And, and the other owners, of course. We should mention that there are a lot of other owners of this club. But tell us a little bit about what you do right now and what, what's the challenge of marketing and, and running a business part of a baseball team.
7: Well, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting to think about how the game, you know, although the game on the field hasn't changed, the, the, the off-the-field part of it has changed quite a sure. bit. And, um, you know, uh, in my current role, I more or less oversee you know, all the business areas of, of the of the organization. So whether it's tickets... Sponsorships, our dugout stores, our broadcasts—really, um, all the revenue-driving areas of the business—is uh, really what I, what I oversee. And you know, but I work. You know, uh, you mentioned Pat Gallagher. I, Pat was always my mentor because, you know, after I was a boy for all those years, I ran the visiting clubhouse for three seasons as I was going to college at St. Mary's College. And I'll just just give you a quick a quick story. In 1978, I actually left the science. I graduated from high school. It's time to move on. And if you remember Lou Brenton, who um, uh, in 1980, Mike Murphy was going to the home site to take over the, the, the home clubhouse, and Eddie Logan, who came with the Giants from New York, retired, and Lou Brenton was going to take over the visiting clubhouse. Well, he was killed in spring training, unfortunately, by a drunk driver in 1980, in that spring, and I got a call in my dorm room to come back. And, uh, and I ran the visiting clubhouse for three years, and I never thought if it wasn't for that, I never would have come back to the Giants. Hmm. Hmm. And, um, and when I graduated from St. Mary's, I thought, you know, I probably could do this for a long time, but I really wanted to. to I really wanted to be in the business side of, of, of the organization because, even though I love baseball, I love the game. It's entertainment. It's fun, and as Pat Gallagher always told me, and he still tells me to this day, don't forget you're in the fun business. <laughs> That's what this is. And yeah. it's, and our job, and especially working out with Larry Barrow, I've known for many years. Well, Larry is a marketing genius. I mean, he, he not, he's a He's our CEO. He oversees, sets the tone of the organization. But his his idea, and so is Peter McGowan's, and that is, when you when you look at the business side of the Giants, look at it, look, you know, consider it like it's a, it, it's it's your it's your business. You, know, you think of it as an entrepreneur. Try new things, take risks, have some fun with it, because especially in the West Coast, your fans are more casual fans than they are fanatic fans. If we had enough fanatic fans, we'd still be a candlestick. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Sure. But that's it's a casual sure. fan who's looking for something to do, who's looking to be entertained, looking for you know they don't. I mean, no one comes to eighty-one games a year. Uh, maybe yeah. a few people do, but you know we're lucky enough that we have thirty-one thousand full season tickets out of 40, 000, forty-one thousand seats at at t Park.
3: Well, the, the, I know that I know things have changed because in the old days they used to have Bat Day. They don't do that anymore. They don't even have ball day anymore that I remember because well, people would keep throwing stuff on the field.
7: Well, yeah, we don't have ball day. The last ball day we had, I think, it was in 1993, and I, I'm surprised I didn't get fired for that. <laughs> we had a we had a ball a, a, a giveaway of baseballs, and it was a beautiful day. It was the game, of the year I think we won 103 games, and uh, and we I still remember that day because yeah, I I left the ballpark a little bit early. I was watching the game on TV, and there was a bad call by the umpire. And we had twenty thousand baseballs on the field. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. I thought, oh my God! I mean, there's no way I'm coming back here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so hey, so stay, stay with that. And, but you know, but but you're right. When we were kids, it was bat day yep. and cap day, and that was about it. And we yeah. had camera day. We we'd go on the field. But now it's a whole different deal. And that is, you know, we're trying to come up with promotions that give people reasons to come out to our games more often. And especially, I think the biggest change in sports over the last five or six years
3: is the, is dynamic pricing the fact that oh yeah no, that, is, hey hey mario stay with us for a second we got to cut to a quick commercial break because i do want you to talk about the, the uh, pricing uh here's our first trivia question if you know the answer uh mario don't say anything we'll let you answer it when you come back of the nine baseball fielders which position is known to possess the smallest glove Ooh. all right don't touch that dial if you're listening to sports econ 101 we're going to be right back
8: Eight hundred four eight zero fifty seven
0: zero eight.
9: your process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, save your home and your credit. But you must act now. Call 800-274-7312. 800-274-7312. Not available in all states. Paid
3: non-attorney spokesperson. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Edward Brown here along with Bruce McGowan. Here was our first trivia question. Of the nine baseball fielders, which position is generally known to possess the smallest glove? Good
4: question. You have an answer for that one,
3: Mario? I'm going to try to I do. i, I got to think,
7: because I'm thinking of Joe Morgan, it's got to be second base. It is second wow. base. That's
3: right. And the reason, so you can turn a double play yeah. easier.
4: Yeah, yeah. That yeah. makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that
7: does.
3: makes sense. So remind everybody, who's our guest?
4: Yeah, Mario Alioto, who is the uh, Executive Vice President of Business Operations for the San Francisco Giants, has worked for the organization for many, many years. And you were talking with us just a few minutes ago about the dynamic pricing, which is kind of a unique concept that the Giants sort of pioneered. And it's it's now been picked up by most teams in most professional sports. Tell us a little bit about what that entails and why it has become such a big deal.
7: Well, I think we got you know this issue, this concept has been out there for quite a while. But the, the, the one day that it really became crystal clear to us that every game is not is not considered equal, if you will, they're not valued the same, was back in 2007 when uh, Barry Bonds was going was chasing the home run record, and I remember the night that he hit it, or right right of that week when. Uh, we were packing the ballpark every single night, and our person who runs over uh, overseas our ticket operation, Russ Stanley, who really pioneered this idea, said Mario, tonight's game, even though the ticket says it's thirty-two dollars for lower box seats, and even though we made that decision back last November to set our prices, this game is worth you know hundreds of dollars. It's not worth thirty-two dollars because of the demand for that particular game. And I think the light bulb went on that that a lot of things go into. Um, uh, go into, uh, you know, into the decision of what a, a ticket is worth, and whether it's opening day or whether it's a promotion. You know if it's uh, you know if, if who the pitcher is, who the team is, we're playing, how good the weather is. All those are part of, of of developing the idea that this game, one game, is worth is not worth the same as another game.
3: Well, and Mario, not not just the game, but I would think in, in that specific instance, right field uh, bleachers would be worth theoretically more because of the chance to actually catch the home run.
7: Well, it would be if you had a lot of left-handed batters on the, in the lineup. But you know, if, uh, but those types of things are exactly what we're talking about, is, is that there's a lot of things that come into the demand. And sometimes it may change from day to day. You, know, you, you win four, five, six games in a row, and that value of that particular game may, may change. Or a bobblehead day is worth more than... You know, then a game when there's no promotion.
3: Well, I was thinking about like bond, Bonds ready to you know break a record uh, for home well, back runs. Then, yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's actually what I'm thinking is like you oh, know yeah. I'd r- I'd rather theoretically I'd rather be sitting in the bleachers in right field uh, with the chance to actually catch the home run ball compared to being behind home plate in theory. Well, you
7: know, well that, that's that's actually right, and, yeah. and um, you know, and, and you think about it, this this, uh, this this notion was really created by the airlines and the hotels, and. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, if, if you wait to take a flight somewhere, you, that flight's going to be a better price if you buy it months in advance as opposed to, you know, the day before. So that that's, but, that, but then when we made that change, we realized that that, that really, really changed the economics of our, of our game. And uh, it, it now we feel like it's the, mar- the market sets the price, demand sets the price, and we still protect our season ticket holders that will never go below the price of what they paid for in that section. That's interesting. So, yeah. That's a big part of what
4: we do. I was going to say, it's interesting, too, because when you move to the new ballpark from Candlestick, we you sort of re- referenced earlier about how Candlestick was such a dump, and it really was. And if you if you had Candlestick back in, say, New York or Chicago or Boston, there'd be a lot more fans showing up because of the, you mentioned the casual nature of the fans. But you created at this ballpark not all the ambiance of, of just the beauty of the park, but it, all the uh, experience of, of a baseball game. And even though the team is struggling this year, it seems as if that experience is, has been enhanced by just the surroundings. So what do you do to add to that? I mean, obviously you've got a captive audience. You've got 42,000 fans have been showing up now. I think it's 500 straight sellouts, something like that,
7: Mario? Yeah, we just celebrated we just our five minutes of ticket of sellout last week. Wow. Uh, and it's a big part. Look, it's, it's, it's part of it is the team has had a great run the last several years. Um, it's, it's a lot of what the organization has, meant, has done to build this brand. That we we've talked so much about, and I, I will say one thing about Candlestick and, and about about uh, about the size of ballpark. Even though we all make fun of Candlestick, it's still where many of us grew up. It's where we have our memories. And when you go back to your home, when you you know the home you grew up in, no matter what size the house is, no matter what condition it is, that was your home. And that's yeah. that's a lot of us look look at Candlestick of those who grew up here. Sure. The problem with Candlestick is that 60,000 seats, and in our new ballpark, which by the way is our 80. Season this year, we're still call it the new ballpark. Eighteenth yeah.
4: year, did you say?
7: Eighteenth. Wow,
4: that's that's hard to
3: believe. It's come it by yesterday.
7: So with scarcity and with less with, with less inventory, that creates the value to get fans to purchase their tickets sooner. And the the real economics of baseball and of sport is to make that decision early, so that you know if you're going to come to a game in August, we're hoping you buy that ticket in April and not. In July, I mean, we hope you buy it in July. But doesn't the best it, deal? Yeah. You want to be able to get your commitment before, before just in case you never know which way the team's going to go, as far as how they're playing on the field.
3: So, Mario, is it? I'm, I'm trying to think of like with, with a hotel, I, and I don't know this for sure, but it, it almost seems like their their pricing structure. They're almost better off if they're 80 percent full compared to 100 percent full because of the price that they would get at 80. percent You know what I mean? So, does, well,
7: yeah, interesting. Ask that Edward because. Yeah we go through that debate all the time in yeah. our ballpark is, you know, there's a consecutive sellout streak that we have, but we probably could do better financially if we didn't have a streak, you know, if,
3: yeah.
7: you know but, 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 but on the other hand, there's something magical about the fact that we want this ballpark to be the place to be. We want, this is, this is where it's happening. And to go to your question about, you know, how we made this ballpark feel and, and this, this magic, this experience, when you think about it, you know, come to the ballpark for a lot of different reasons obviously the ball the, the connection with our players the type of player we have is a big part of it but we put a lot of effort into the food into the experience yeah, into the scoreboard uh, all those other elements that, that create this the atmosphere of coming to a ball game as, as Pat Gallagher used to say to me you know you ba- you can control everything from the minute you buy the ticket until the minute that customer drives away. Yeah, control everything except for how the team plays. You, you,
3: you know that's a that's a really good point because um you know the the food is good it's expensive but it is good and there's not a bad seat uh, at uh, AT and T Park but Candlestick you know the weather was so bad and the food wasn't good and and driving all the way over there I mean it was it's like all these negatives that you know I could see why you have all the sellouts now the sellout technically doesn't mean that everybody's sitting in a seat just means that that, that Forty-two thousand or whatever the capacity uh, tickets have been sold, right?
7: That's correct. The way we look at a sellout is we look at forty-one thousand seats actually, because we also have standing room uh, areas oh, yeah. that are not made, quote on the manning manifest. So if we sell a combination of seats sold versus standing room that equals forty-one thousand or more, that's considered a sellout. So oftentimes you might see seats up in the left field corner that are empty, but but we've sold you know a thousand seats of, uh, of standing room only seats. So that's why. We consider that bad a sellout. And, um, and we want to keep that magic going with our fans that this is the place you want to be. This is where the fun is. And, you know, and um, I, I also want to say one other thing about, about what we've done to build the brand is because, is, again, so much of it is how the team plays and it makes our jobs a lot easier when we win, obviously, especially when you win, you know, three World Series. But, um, you know, there's an advertising guy who once told me that a, a quote that I never forgot. He said, a brand isn't built by... What you say about it, it's how it behaves. Mm. And we try to do the right mm. things, whether it's community work we do or the or the customer service that that we provide to our to our fans. We want to make we want to make our ballpark and the decisions we make, whether it's who we're going to sign as a player or what kind of food we're going to we're going to offer, or what kind of service and and the um, training we give to our staff. It's all part of building the Giants experience. That's why when you go to Disney. Very often very rarely do people say, God, Disneyland's expensive because you know what you're gonna get and that quality of service is so high. That's what we strive to do. I think what all sports teams are striving for is where it's, it's, it's this is great experience, win or lose. Because if we win believe me, leaving my job is a lot easier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but our investors are they're not, you know, we, we gotta we have to do our jobs whether winning or losing. And we're not gonna win every year. Only one team the team wins the World Series but our job in the marketing side and the business side is how do we make this a place uh, where you're going to want to hang out even if the team is not you know running away with the panic. okay, okay.
3: and are you going to bring back oh, crusty. the crusty crab oh all right <laughs> <laughs> oh, crazy crab crazy no, he's a crazy crab i mean yeah <laughs>
7: if 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 we go to that that, uh, that, uh, if we go that far, then we're really yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. I, I, I don't think so.
4: Yeah. Well, it's a it is a far cry from Candlestick, and I will say as a as a San Francisco native, somebody who lived in the city also for 15 years after I was born there, and got to cover almost every game for the first five years in the new in the new facility, the new stadium, the new ballpark, we call it. Um, it's right. it's such an important part of the city now. Candlestick was sure. kind of removed over in the corner, out in a yeah. forgotten area where nobody would go down there. For any reason other than just to, to maybe go fishing or something, uh, this is right, right off the heart of downtown. So it's an integral part. The whole neighborhood has become, you know, dynamic and it's changed dramatically. I mean, th- this is how well, you. Well, be- think
3: think about it. You could go to work and then catch the game afterward.
4: Yeah, you couldn't really well, do and it. And that's you couldn't do that before. And that's one of the things you you are kind of stressing, I guess, for the weekday games too. Sometimes you get people- well,
7: exactly. I mean, yeah. with, with Candlestick, there was only one way to get there. and That was the drive there, more or less. But now you can walk, you can take the ferry, you can take BART. It's just an easier, it's an an accessible ballpark. But also when you walk out, when the game's over and you walk outside, there's a neighborhood that you get to experience with restaurants and bars and and people live in the area. So it's a a whole different experience. You know, back in the 70s when new ballparks were built, stadiums, you put the stadium out in the suburbs and surrounded by by parking. Now the trend is get back into the urban environment and make it part of the community. And that's really what what AT&T Park is all about. And um, it's a beautiful ballpark, and I I swear every day when I drive my car and I go to work, I, when I think back in those years, we all were at Candlestick and all losing four elections <laughs> in San Francisco. Yeah. I still I, I still pinch myself that we yeah. didn't go to this ballpark. That's yeah. great.
3: You know, I, uh, it really is true, Mario. Yeah. So if you can stay with us just one more segment, that would be great because I just love talking about all this stuff. Uh, tell you what, we're going to cut to our next commercial break. This is a tennis question: Who beat Yvonne Lendl in? The French Open final using underhand serves. Hmm. All right, okay. that's kind of an interesting yeah, one. And if you, remember, one. if you remember, if you remember this, you go, "Oh yeah, that's right. I yeah. remember that." Okay. All right, stay with us. You're listening to Sports Econ One Hundred and One. We're going to be right back. well, welcome back to Sports Econ 101. One more time, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Second trivia question is a tennis question. Who beat Yvonne Lendl in the French Open final using underhand serves? Our guest,
4: Mario Aliotto from the Giants, probably doesn't know that, although I may be wrong. Are you a tennis fan, Mario? And by the way, it's not well, Rick no. Berry. The
7: first thing I thought of when you asked the question is, unless Rick Perry played.
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <That's laughs> Rick Perry. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, it's got to be somebody uh, somewhat obscure but somewhat yeah. uh, uh, successful. Somebody, uh-huh, exactly. That's exactly you know, uh, That's right. I'm stumped. Michael Chang. Michael Chang? Yeah. Is that right? You know, Michael Chang had a five or six years yeah, where he was, was very, very good. good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Yep. All right, well, we're talking with Mario Alioto the San Francisco Giants, the Executive Vice President of Business Operations, and it's been fun talking about the ballpark experience at, in San Francisco. And more importantly, Mario, you mentioned winning three World Series in five years after 50-plus years of falling short. What has that experience been like the last – I mean, granted, it's yeah. the last one was three years ago, but you've won three in five years. And you and I know because we share this common experience of growing up with a team who was always – in the hunt, or maybe they weren't. Maybe they were lousy, but fifty plus years of not winning and falling short in the few times they get to the World Series. Now you win three of them. What's that been like?
7: Well, it was. It's uh, it's really changed our world. And as a Giants fan for all my all these years, I think all of us will remember where we were when Brian Wilson pitched that last pitch and we won the first World Series in 2010 because yep. we never thought we'd see it. And uh, but the fact that we won, you know, two two other years, you know, those even years uh, shortly thereafter. It's like, are you kidding me? It's unbelievable. Yeah. But it's been so much fun. And, um, you know, And, and it, I think with, if anything else, it, it's created new baseball fans in the Bay Area. And I mentioned this to someone earlier uh, today, is that we were talking about Mays and McCovey. A lot of our fans never saw them play. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, they have new heroes now. And whether it's Buster Posey or Tim Lincecum, you know, mm-hmm. all, all, all the new players of today that, uh, that are, will, be, will be the McCoveys and mazes of the future, is really what's what's happened, and people are paying attention. And there's a lot of Giants fans walking around. Hey, years ago in the '70s and '80s, when I used to go skiing in Tahoe, I never saw Giants merchandise. <laughs> I used it on the slopes, and everyone's yeah. wearing Giants gear. So that's true. Um, so winning has been fun, but on the other hand, you know you don't win every single year. It's it's a, it's a long, it's a long season. A lot can happen. And um, but what the best thing about this game is. When the season's over, you wipe the slate clean and you start all over again.
3: You, you know, it, it was interesting. You mentioned about you know, like you and I and Bruce got to see McCovey and, and Mays, and I've told Bruce this story before, and I've told it on the air, and I, I won't tell the whole whole the whole thing. But when I was 14 years old, my uh, my mother's uncle came to visit us, and when he saw me, you know, looking through old baseball books, uh, he basically had told me that he used to watch Honus Wagner play. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's going
4: back a few years. I know (laughs) Hannes Wagner, for those of listeners out there, that's going back to the 1900s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. It is amazing. Well, And that's the great connection, the the men that play the game, the guys that play the game, whether it's Hunter Pence or you mentioned yeah. Tim Lincecum, Madison Bumgarner, Buster Posey, Brandon Croft. You had some very distinct personalities, Sandoval, uh, you know, Mar- uh, Sergio Romo. I mean, that has probably made the job of marketing the team even more uh, enjoyable because you have these distinct personalities on your team.
7: Well, that's true. And, you know, it's interesting, Bruce, and, and you, you mentioned that, you know, when we were kids, Tim Davenport, at least when I was a kid, yeah. Covey was always at first. Yep. Fire was at well, Davenport was always at third. Or, you know, it was always the same players every year. True. You got you got you got a relationship. You got to know who the players were. We went through a time in sports, and we're still going through that now as well. Um, where where you know you, you bring a player on, you get connected with with this great player, and all of a sudden he gets traded or released, yeah. or you know, or he moves on, or becomes a free agent. Well, but the, the Giants' strategy over the last several years is that has been to create personalities with our players and have them be part of the organization for a while. So if you look at our infield right now with, with Belt and Panic and Crawford, you know, <laughs> Posey, these guys have been around for a while, you know, Pence, Matt Kane. We want to be able to, you know, uh, the, uh, the ideal goal uh, years ago was that if, you, if you get a player, I think, can, you, can you get them to commit to the organization for a number of years so that our fans can really get, get a relationship with them? And that's the one thing, I think the one blessing we have now that that i think is really what makes the giants the giants. and that is that connection our fans have with our players it goes both ways i mean it's you know when when we're winning the players acknowledge the fans up with the full house it makes a difference and you know we have some great guys in this team with great personalities and it, and it's like it's so much more than just winning and losing but it's either cheering for that individual player as much as they are cheering for the team to win so that that magic is something we've we've uh, we've enjoyed and uh And we've had some personalities over the years, whether it's Tim Linscombe's long hair or or Brian Wilson's beard, and we have fun with that on the marketing side of things. But that's what makes us fun. And as I start off the conversation by saying, as Pat always told me, don't forget we're in the fun business. And if you keep that in perspective, you really can have some fun. I mean, what other ballparks or other teams would have 20,000 people swinging rubber chickens? Yeah. You know, Barry Bonds was intentionally walked. I mean, it's fun. And, um, and that's ultimately, I think that's what my main job is: is to create that atmosphere in the ballpark where fans want to be. And, so, uh, well, you know, well, Mario, let me
3: ask let me ask you a question about this because I was just thinking about you know, uh, Bobby and Evans and I have come become kind of friends, and I'm thinking, you know, that poor guy right now because the team is not doing well, he's got to be under a lot of stress. But from your perspective, I mean, you're in the marketing side of things. How stressful is? Is a losing team for you? I mean, obviously you don't want it, but does it impact you as much?
7: Well, I think it always. Because I'm not going to kid you. Wins and losses always impact us. But but if we were in August, I may have a different answer. But we're at the beginning of May. The season just started. So you know, um, look, we want to win every single game. And I think it's fair to say that we've all been a little spoiled the last few years. But um, but I think with the Giants organization and, and, and with Bobby and Larry and others, you know, their job is to look at. You know, how, how do you tweak things along the way that need to be tweaked? Um, in the business side of things, our job is hey, when, when the team is not performing up to par the way we all want, what things can we control? Will we control how, the time you have in the ballpark? We yeah. I keep going back to this, but customer service is a huge thing. I mean, if you go to a restaurant and the food isn't great, but you really were treated well, you might give them a second chance. Yeah. Customer service is such a big deal today, you know, in today's world that... Um, you know, in the areas I oversee, that's what we come back with, is come up with new promotions, treat people right, and uh, there's going to be peaks and valleys in this, in this business.
3: You know, I, I gotta—I I have to agree with you. I'm just thinking about, like, going to the ballpark and, you know, asking a security guard a question or whatever, and everybody seems to be friendly. Same thing with the Warriors games. It's like that, too. It's like they want to serve right. you.
7: Well, that's the thing, you know, and... and uh, you know, going to a sporting event, any sporting event is is not inexpensive. I mean, it's yeah. it's it, we all know the financial, you know, uh, just what it takes. And uh, our job is to deliver more than just a game between the white lines. It's interesting. Everything else.
4: It's interesting too. What you you talked about the casual fan, and here in California, I think those listeners and there are many of them who are listening to this show who don't live in California who have maybe visited here but this the lifestyle out here lends itself to being more outdoors yeah. doing and there's of course San Francisco has outdoors. all the great culture but I mean yeah you know hiking and swimming uh, you know uh, going out in the bay on a, on a boat uh, uh, you know going to the wine country going down to Monterey there's so many things to do here and you're competing with those people or with those activities, yeah. so you really have to be on your A game, and, and of course, baseball sells itself. But I would think, Mario, that that's part of the experience of being able to lure people out—families, couples, older folks that are baseball fans—just get them in more and well, more involved. It's a
3: three to four hour outing, isn't yeah. It? yeah. Well, it's more like a right. five hour, yeah. Oh, yeah it really is. Well, what,
4: yeah, one
7: of the what, one of the lines we always use in our business is, "You know, there's enough money to go around, but there's not enough time, and we're all uh. competing for for the time of of, of fans." And um, And if you get him into the ballpark once, you've got to give him a good time. And now, if you have a great game and it's exciting, that, that helps. But all of the other things that we, that we hopefully provide, uh, if you have a good time, we'll, we'll get you back again and um, so that's, that's really what it is. and you know it's, uh, I, I, you know the other thing about about our business with, with baseball is I think more, maybe more so than the other sports, and maybe because I'm biased, but it's a generational game I mean. I, I, before, believe it or not, I was going to baseball games before I started working when I was 12 years old. But my grandfather, I guess, and we used to go to the games on weekends when they had wooden seats at Candlestick Park. (laughs) I remember. So it's, it's, it's a game that gets handed out from generation to generation. And that's what, that's, that's, that's really cool about baseball is you'll see a family there or a grandparent and a, and a, you know, a daughter or son. And it's just, it's not just for kids. It's not just for adults, it's for everyone. And everyone has their own memories. That's why when we do reunions with teams, you know, it's not, you know, my, my heroes back when I was a kid were guys like Johnny LeMass and John Montecuto. We didn't win those. Those teams didn't win. But that was my age when I was in my teens. Well, those are guys I remember. And I think that's the thing about baseball is we, it's, we bring you back to your childhood. Mm-hmm. And, um, Very much and that's, so. that, that's what makes it kind of fun.
3: You know, i got to say that, you know, watching a game is fun. But uh, I remember last year my Wells Fargo banker invited me to their suite. And that is a lot of fun, watching a baseball game and then overhang with the, you know, comfortable seats. And, I mean, it's it's a, a lot more relaxing than when I was a kid, that's for sure.
7: Well, you know, it's funny you say that, but there are some fans who feel like you're kind of just like watching it through a window. You know, you want to be out in the seats. You know, it's like Larry Barr and Peter McGowan always sit out in their seats. But the one thing about sitting in a suite, it's like... It's like sitting
3: at first class in an airplane it's tough to go back to coach after that yeah,
7: it does true <laughs> I, I got a quick story
4: I got to tell you Mario this is a, this is a funny story before we we wrap things up Last year, I had a pass to cover the uh, the playoffs, but I was not really working for anybody at the time and, and the Giants were nice enough because of my long association to give me a pass, but they didn 't give me a seat, so I went upstairs into the luxury. Uh, Sweets and I looked for a, a place that looked friendly and I went in and introduced myself and not only did the people let me sit with them but they fed me and asked me questions. <laughs> really? Oh, it was wonderful and I did it for two different game, the two different games and there were two different groups and I can't, I, for the life of me, I can't remember who it was but they were the nicest folks and they they were having the best time and I just guess I lucked out because I, I told them I said well I'm. I'm a I'm a broadcaster. My name's Bruce McGowan. Oh yeah, we remember you from KNBR. Well, come on and join us. Yeah, you of know, course. yeah, they were not Why why do you want to sit down in the uh, in the in the press box with all the other cynics? Sit up here with us. There you so go. That was my my experience, and I have to tell you that 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 was one of the most enjoyable experiences I've ever had. It's funny. I never thought I'd I, say that.
7: You know, Bruce, you, you're bringing back. I know we got to run in a second, but it bringing back. I remember years ago, I went to my first hockey game. Uh, it was it. I was on the Rangers at Madison Square Garden. A friend of mine invited me. Went down, went to the game. Sat in the very first row, which was great. And um, you know, the guys are banging into the glass, and it was a great sport to watch. But I wanted to talk the entire game, and these guys didn't want to talk. It's like, no, you don't talk in, in, in hockey. You got to watch the game. <laughs> when there's a break, that's when you go to the concession stands. Whereas with baseball, it's a social game. It's you know, you talk there. It's. it's It's like background noise or music. Well I think it's because it's it's slow enough.
3: Yeah. Right, because there's there's another there's I think because there's a lull, you know there's a slow in between pitches. You know, uh, the, uh, Bruce Bochy goes out to talk to the pitcher. There's no there's, you know, no,
4: there's can... no clock in baseball. You know? yeah, I mean exactly. there is there is a, in the sense that you know a game can last for seven or eight hours, but the the game can go on forever. And that, that's what cracks me up when I hear people say, "Oh, we got to speed the game up. Why? You come to the ballpark to get away from that nonsense hey, of looking at the I, clock. We, we
3: used to look forward to doubleheaders when I was
4: a kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
7: Speaking yeah. of that, I guess well, you want... don't see those anymore. Remember I, those doubleheaders? I was yeah. going to say, you
4: guys, because San Francisco rarely has a rainout. Uh, there's, yeah. I don't think there has been a doubleheader at maybe one at, in the in the 18 years at your ballpark.
7: Yeah, we may we may have had a few split doubleheaders, but not the kind where you get two for the price of one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> those days were gone, and uh, we always have a lot of those. At least have a lot of those at
4: well, Mario, we really appreciate you joining us, and I know you're, you're taking time out of your busy day. And Mario, by the way, has been hanging out in one of his favorite neighborhoods today at North Beach, sitting in his car, talking with us, being a really what good a guy. guy like and that. Really appreciate your uh, your insights and your passion for the game, and continued success to you and and the Giants.
3: Yeah, thanks, Mario. We got to definitely have you on again. I really appreciate it.
7: I really it. enjoyed it, and it was great reminiscing and. Uh uh, let's enjoy the rest of the season.
4: All, All right. right. Thanks so much, Mario. All right. right. Okay. Bye. Take care, buddy. Yeah, thank you. All right. Yeah, the Giants need some help. Boy, they're having a rough year as we speak, but that's the that's the nature of the game. You have your good well, years and your bad years. It's
3: there, it's early May, right?
4: Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm I'm just getting a bad feeling about this year's team. I think yeah. I think five hundred is good. I think that's They'll probably finish over 500, but not much better. No, just too many, too many injuries, too many bad, too many bad things happening. And, and
3: don't let Bumgarner have fun when on off days. Oh anymore.
4: my gosh, can you ridiculous. believe that? that yeah, ridiculous. wrecking his shoulder, falling off a dirt bike Especially on his in, off day. On off day. Okay,
3: yeah. here's our third and final trivia question. Wh- this is uh, actually uh, soccer. Which was the first African country to qualify for the World Cup? Mm. All
4: right. Okay. Good don't good one. touch that dial. I think Sports I know that Econ. What really?
3: Sports I think Econ I do. 101. We'll be right back. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm.
1: 1-800-316-1738. 1-800-316-1738.
6: Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-957-6063.
3: 800-957-6063. Welcome back to Sport Econ 101. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Well, that was a lot of fun having Mario yeah, Aliotto on. Definitely. Uh, okay, so here's our third and final trivia question. Which was the first African country to qualify for the World Cup? Well, England. I believe I, the t- the team I always comes to mind are the Cameroon. I think I only
4: call them the Mighty Lions. Cameroon's a small country in the Western African uh, continent, but I'm not sure if they were the first. They were the the most successful. I think they won a couple of games one okay. year. This is going back to about.
3: But They weren't the first. Though.
4: No, Nigeria.
3: No. It would S- be a major South Africa. No, uh, that's what I would have guessed. Kenya. No. Uh, keep, keep going. You only have 25 S- more. Uh, Sudan. No, <laughs> no. No. Not so. No. Egypt. Egypt. Egypt, yeah. Yeah. Kind
4: oh, of a, my gosh. Kind of a major How could, yeah. uh, Western. How could you not forget about, you know, I'm way up there in the northeast corner. Yep, that, yeah, that's, that's it. That's right.
3: So uh, as we speak, let's see the Warriors... Uh, are up one only one game so tonight uh, which is thursday night yeah we'll be out there covering that early. one yeah
4: that is, uh, our listeners probably know what the, the warriors have done on thursday night but you know i don't i just don't see anybody beating that team right now they're just too deep too talented too you know you got four superstars you got a great bench you got a a coach who's not going to be around unfortunately steve curry's got back problems but mike brown is taking over for him and is doing a terrific job and they brought him in for that very purpose. Mike Brown took yeah. the Clack Cavaliers to the finals uh, a few years back, and, and the players like him, and he knows the system. And Kerr's in constant communication with him, so I think they're in good shape.
3: So it's like Kerr just at, like, at home watching the game? Yeah, he can down. get around
4: a little bit. He's got spinal fluid leakage. Uh, mm-hmm. on a bot- There was a botched um, operation, and because of that, uh, he's had debilitating pain, headaches, nausea, Ugh. dizziness. And it's been bothering him ever since the uh, off-season of the ch- the first time they won the championship in, in Gee, 2015. That's, yeah,
3: that's too bad. Yeah. All right, got to cut out. So here's our thoughts for the day. Change is not a four-letter word, but often your reaction to it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Said Jeffrey Gittimer. Oh. And if you try to fail... Jeffrey and, Giddy-up? No, and, yeah, <laughs> Giddyup? Yeah, Giddyup. And here's a question. If you try to fail and succeed... Which have you done? Ah, yes. That's by George Carlin. Oh, I like that. All right. Tune in next week to Sports Econ 101. We're going to be discussing sports topics from a business perspective and asking more sports trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm your host, Edward Brown. We'll see you next week. Good night, America. So long.